Good morning. Hope you're all well. What a great morning. As Becky said, we're carrying on our series on prayer this morning. And um, the whole month is entitled Breathe New Life into Your Prayer Life. And everything needs a little bit of new life sometimes, doesn't it? And I know for many of you, you've had children go back to school this week. For those of you who haven't have enjoyed everybody putting photographs of their children going back to school this week. Um, if anyone would like to see a picture of my children going back to school, you'll have to come and see me because I didn't actually put it on there. But, you know, when our children go back to school, we buy them new things to go back to school. They have a new backpack. They have a new pencil case. It is necessary. They have new pens. If they've grown too much, they will perhaps have new uniform. And they will have new school shoes. These are Olivia's new school shoes. Nice, eh? I would like to wear them myself. I actually like them that much. But they're too big for me. <laughs> Olivia is 10. And that's all been wonderful. And the girls have gone back to school really well. And when Olivia came back from school on the first day, and because she's in year six now, I've been banished off the yard and I have to wait for her elsewhere. And didn't realize I was quite that embarrassing, but there you go, it's sinking in now. And as she walked up the path to where I was waiting for her, she didn't come with all her usual running and jumping and excitement that she normally comes out of school with. She came out of school like this, because her new school shoes had given her the most beastly blisters I have ever seen to the point that they'd even popped before she got home. Now, as a good parent, I'd said to her, put some plasters on in the morning just in case they rub you. They did not help. They moved as wonderful plasters do and she had the worst blisters in the world ever. Has anyone ever had blisters from a pair of shoes? Ever, anyone ever had blisters from a pair of flip-flops? That is a whole other level of blister. And so I brought Olivia's shoes because I want to make a point to you this morning. And the point is that sometimes we choose not to wear shoes and we choose not to do things in life because they're uncomfortable. These are my shoes. Look, they're smaller. I really like these shoes. I don't really wear them much because they are notorious in my life for giving me blisters. But I'm going to put them on this morning and preach in them because I want to make a point to you this morning that sometimes in life, I do apologize front row if the smile gets to you, sometimes in life, life can be difficult. Sometimes circumstances can be difficult. Look, even with a pair of pop socks on, they're going to rub me. Sometimes in life, we choose to get off the ride of life that we're on. We choose to get out of the relationship. We choose to move away from things and move away from God and think, there's just no point anymore. It's that difficult. It's that hard. But I would like to take some information and some advice that I've given Olivia this week. If you, per look, I've shrunk, I? If you persevere with them, 
Wear them in. Wear them in and they will no longer rub you. Wear them in and they will be fine and you'll get used to them and your feet will toughen up. Personal victory in prayer comes from wearing in shoes, comes from wearing in life that is difficult sometimes to the point where you become comfortable in the difficulty because you know God's there and because you know that you're growing. Let me read to you from Romans 12, verse 12, and it says this. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. There's been some affliction going on from these this week. Be faithful in prayer. Sometimes life is hard, and we need to have hope to keep going. Sometimes affliction comes and challenges us and we need to have patience to persevere through it. And sometimes the easiest option would seem to be to get off the bandwagon and think, God, if you were real, my life would not look like this. But instead, God calls us to be faithful in prayer and be faithful in our relationship with him because in and through it, he will strengthen us. In and through it, he will bring comfort to our lives. And in and through it, we can be an example to those around us. So I want to encourage you this morning. If your life is a little bit like Olivia's shoes and is giving you blisters, and is causing you difficulty, and feels rather uncomfortable as things stand, then I want to give you some tools from the Romans verse that you can be joyful in hope, that you can be patient in affliction, and that you can be faithful in prayer, even when you feel like you've got to walk like this, because it hurts so much. So the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is being joyful in hope. You know, very often, I don't know whether it's a Stoke thing, I apologize if it is, but very often we'll say to people, any joy? Maybe you've lost something and we'll say, any joy? Maybe we're not sure where some, any joy? And it's a strange thing to say, really, because really what we're trying to say is, have you found that thing you're looking for? Has that circumstance got better? We're not actually asking them, have you got some joy while you've lost that thing? Or have you got some joy while that circumstance is a bit of a pain in the backside? We're, we're asking him if it's improved. But I believe that God wants to teach us something different. He wants to change our mindset that joy only comes when things get better. Because God wants to bring joy into your blistered life. God wants to bring joy into those moments when you think, I don't think I can walk anymore in these shoes that are my life. And God wants to bring joy into that place, not to say to you, keep coming, there's joy at the end. God wants to show you that there is joy in your hope for something better. And we all have hopes, don't we? We all hope that things would get better Maybe the big hopes because things are hard and difficult. Maybe the hopes and dreams for something new and different. But whatever they are and however you feel when you're hoping for maybe that new job, when you're hoping for that relationship, when you're hoping that things would improve with health, when you're hoping for these things that God wants to actually show you that there is joy to be had in that place, not just when it gets better. 
We've got to stop looking for joy at the end of the circumstance and start inviting it in. Start inviting joy into our sadness. Start inviting joy into our hardship. Start inviting joy into the the difficulties. Start inviting joy into where we feel depressed. Start inviting joy into where we feel sick. Start inviting joy into where we feel like this is never going to change. And joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That means God can cause it to grow within you. So it's not at the end when things get better, but it's actually with you and in you and could grow in those places too. And you know, sometimes we can look at hope and see that it, and we can think that it's, it's this, well, it's the same as optimism, really. It's about being optimistic. You're just an optimistic person. And you may be sitting there this morning and thinking, I'm not very optimistic. I'm like, the glass is like half empty, not half full. Or, But hope and optimism aren't actually the same thing. Optimism says this. And it takes a leaf out of the musical Annie. And this is optimism. The sun will come out. There you go. Yeah, you know it, don't you? The sun will come out tomorrow. Everything's going to get better. Tomorrow, the sun will come out. I'll feel better. I'll get a new job. This relationship will be better. That's optimism. It'll be all right tomorrow. Hope doesn't say that at all. Hope says, I'm going to face the reality of today and I'm going to meet it with God's reality. I'm going to meet it with God's promises. I'm going to meet it with God's faithfulness. That there's joy now, not tomorrow. The sun for hope isn't coming out tomorrow. The sun, Jesus Christ, already came out. He came out and he rose victorious. So there is hope for us today, not tomorrow. Because there's a different sun in the house. And it's not the sun that's going to come out tomorrow when everything gets better. But it's the sun who is Jesus Christ, who is already here, who is already victorious, who has already rose from the grave, who can already change and transform your life if you allow him in to bring joy into your hardships. The sun is out now, not tomorrow. And he wants to bring joy into the places where you're hoping that things will change. Where you're hoping and believing for things to be different and things to be new. And I know some of you have had a tough year. And it's been tough. And it's been hard. And it's been heartbreaking. I've had a tough year. I understand. But you know what? Let hope Be the joy when affliction comes. Let it be the anchor for your soul to hold on to the fact that actually this is all going on around. But God is here and can bring joy regardless of the difficulty because I have a hope because of him who came before. There's a great quote. I don't know who it's by, but it says this. When you're down to nothing... God's up to something. And some of you may feel like this year, or maybe circumstances that you've faced, that you've just got nothing left. There's just nothing. But in that place, God is there. 
and he is up to something and he wants to bring joy and he wants to give you a hope and he wants to show you that there is something new and something fresh that he can do for you. That there is a path for personal victory that you can walk on, blisters included maybe at times, but that he is with you and it will be worth it in the end. And when you know he's working with you, that hope and that joy just come easily. So I want to encourage you this morning. Those things that you're hoping for, and they may be tiny, tiny little dots of light that you think, I don't think I'll ever get there, but that would be so wonderful if that happened. Those things, hold them close in your heart. Allow joy to come into that place and give you a positivity towards that hope because it will bring faith and it will change your entire day. It will change your perspective and it will change your family and your friends and your work colleagues because they will look at you and think, what is going on with them? How is that possible? And that is because God brings joy into our lives and transforms us. And he grows it and he grows it and he grows it so that we no longer have to think, I can't do this anymore. We can't. But he can through Jesus Christ. So be joyful in hope. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Be patient in affliction. Don't you just love verses like that in the Bible? Be patient in affliction. I don't want any affliction. Anyone else? I'd I'd just be quite happy to be patient without the affliction. I'd be just quite happy to be impatient without the affliction. Just keep the affliction away. That would be wonderful. But if we're honest, affliction comes. And so often we try and get out of it really quickly, don't we? We try and and work things around and sort things out so that we're no longer in a place of affliction. We try and deal with things and, and get away from things and run away and do these different things so affliction no longer comes and knocks on our door. So why does the Bible then say, be patient in affliction, when our natural reaction is to run away? Our natural reaction is to jump ship when affliction comes. But God says, be patient in affliction. It just sounds wrong, doesn't it? Don't you think? And I've got two things I want to say to you. Because I believe when we find stillness and peace in affliction then we discover joy and hope, but more importantly, purpose. I want to look at two different things to see if it helps make sense of this for you. The first is this. Don't pray away your affliction, but embrace it. That sounds backwards, doesn't it? Let's look at Jesus, shall we, for a minute. Jesus who knew when he came down to earth that his sole purpose was to come and die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and to be raised from the dead. When it come to it, he battled and he prayed and he said to God, if you can take this cup away, I'm really not fancying this affliction that you're sending me. And yet God taught him to embrace his affliction. And how do we know this? Let's look at his reaction to Judas. And I heard a friend of mine, Amanda Etches, speak on this. 
And I'm, I'm just going to steal it because it was just that good. So Amanda, if you're listening, I apologize, but I have said it was yours in the first place. Jesus refers to Judas in a certain way. Judas, the disciple who betrayed him. Judas, the disciple who took pieces of silver to show them who he was. Judas, who later went on to commit suicide because he couldn't cope with what he'd done. How would we refer to Judas? A betrayer? A bad man? Let's look what Jesus says. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was taken away to be crucified, while he was praying and asking God to take away the future that he was facing, and Judas turns up. Matthew 26, verse 50. Jesus said to Judas, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. My friend. The man who betrayed him, the man who opened the door to his crucifixion, the man who opened the door to the affliction that he was about to face. And how does Jesus greet him? My friend. Because Jesus knew that this affliction that he was to face was the way to bring eternal life. He knew that the affliction that he was to face was the one that would bring purpose and forgiveness to the whole of mankind. Jesus knew that patience in affliction was actually going to bring something about that no one could ever possibly do on their own without him. But then let's look what Jesus says to Peter. Peter was another disciple. Peter was the one that Jesus said to him, on you I will build my church. Peter was what they would call the first pope. Peter went on to be the head of the church. And at one point Peter said to Jesus, Don't go on to Jerusalem. Don't talk about that you're going to die. Don't say these things. Let's look in Matthew 16, 23, what Jesus says to Peter. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Jesus greeted two disciples very differently. Peter, who we would say, wow, this amazing man of God, this man who went on to lead the early church. At one point, when he's so far off the mark of what Jesus' destiny is, Jesus says to him, get away from me, you devil. Get away from me, Satan. And yet to Judas, the one that we would look at and think, he is the worst person in the Bible. He betrayed Jesus and Jesus greets him. My friend. Jesus knew what it was to be patient in affliction. Jesus knew what it was to welcome and embrace affliction because he knew that it would take him to a place that God was calling him to. He knew that it would take him to a place where destinies would meet. He knew that it would take him to a place where he would grow into something he couldn't do unless he went through it. And this morning I want to encourage you, if you're going through affliction, If your life is giving you blisters this morning, can I encourage you, be patient, keep persevering. Because at the end of it, God promises us a great reward. God promises to be with us. God promises to encourage us. And God will turn us into something more wonderful because of the affliction. Look at Jesus. He went through the affliction, but if he hadn't, 
He would never have been able to open up the gates of heaven, to take the keys of death and hell and say, no longer will those things have a grip on you. No longer will death have a sting. No longer will hell have a place. But I have opened up the way to the Father because of the affliction I faced. And God wants to do the same in our lives. I'm not telling you to go and look for some affliction. That would just be sadistic and wrong. But when affliction comes knocking, be patient with it. Allow it to do a work in you. Allow God to do some deep stuff in you so that he can take you to the other side where victory awaits. There's much to learn in affliction. There's so many times, I'm sure you have them too, there must be seasons that you look back on and at the time you were like, I can't cope anymore. And yet when you look back you think, wow, God did so much to me then. I learned so much, I grew so much, I wouldn't be who I am today if that hadn't have happened. Remember that when the next affliction comes because in it God wants to grow and empower you. And take you on a path to victory. The second thing I want to say to you about patience and affliction is this. And it's from the Old Testament. Sometimes affliction provides training. Not all, because we're not always ready for the freedom. We're not always ready for what's coming next. So affliction can come and provide training for us. And we see this with the Israelites. Now the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. They'd eventually come out of Egypt. They spent a rather long time in the wilderness and they'd sort of got it a little bit wrong, but eventually they came to the promised land. They'd fought battles, they'd taken cities and God had given them the land. And then they'd been left saying, there's still a few people in the land. We need to continue to wage war on them and take the rest of the land. And this was like end of Exodus, Judges, a few books later, they're still fighting and trying to take on the land. And let's join them in Judges 3, verses 1 to 4. And it says this. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. The five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonites, the Hivites living in the Lebanon mountains, from Mount Baal Hermon to Hebron Marath, they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. God left affliction in the land so that those Israelites, that next generation coming up, so that they could learn how to fight their battles. So that they could learn how to be strong and how to be mighty. And sometimes God takes us through times of difficulty so that we can, be, we can learn how to be strong. The enemy wants to keep us comfortable where everything's just nice and lovely and we just sit down and have a rest and, and just get lazy. And we don't know how to wield a sword anymore. And we don't know how to fight for our family. We don't know how to fight for our loved ones. We don't know how to fight for our future. We don't know how to fight for the community. We don't know how to fight for those who don't know Jesus. Because we've sat and we've been lazy and comfortable. 
But God wants to send affliction at times to cause us to rise up, to cause us to say, I need to learn how to fight. I need to learn how to pray and believe for these things. I need to learn how to read my Bible so that I can stand on his word and believe for a future and a hope in this thing. Sometimes it's easy to not fight. Sometimes it's easy and we wish things would leave us alone. But instead, what the enemy wants to use to destroy us, God wants to use to train us and equip us and make us strong and mighty in prayer and in power. Let's have a little look. Because it says, these are the nations the Lord left to test the Israelites. Well, let's have a little look at these nations. It says there was five rulers of of the Philistines. Now, when you look at the Philistines, the Philistines are descendants from Egypt. And we know that Egypt is a place of the past for Israel. So for us today, your past will come a-knocking. Your past will come and try and bring affliction. Your past will come and try and bring conflict and difficulties for you. But God wants to use your past to equip you and train you and lead you on a path to victory. The second one is the Canaanites. Now the Canaanites were the sons of Noah. Noah and his boat. And the Canaanites, Noah had actually cursed his son Canaan. And it was all to do with some wine and some nakedness. And if you want to read it, it's in Genesis. But he'd actually cursed his son Canaan. And so sometimes our family and the curses that our family bring can come and bring affliction. And by family curses, I'm talking about traits, problems, difficulties, things that, well, my mum was like that and I'm like that and that's just how it is. God wants to break you out of those things. God wants to use that affliction that you're facing to say, actually, I can be stronger. Actually, I can be more. Actually, I'm going to pray and fast this week and believe that's going to be broken over my family because I don't want to see my kids suffering with the same thing. God sends affliction to make us strong. The next one it says were the Sidonites. Also, they were relations of Noah. So we go back to this again. Family comes a knocking again. Family comes and brings difficulty. Family comes and brings just some upset or some upheaval. And what are we going to do? Are we going to turn our backs on it or are we going to fight for it? Are we going to go go on a path of victory? And even when we keep loving our family and keep believing in them, are we going to keep pushing through those blisters of life that family can bring at times and believe that there's joy and hope to be had in it? The last of the rulers that it says were there were the Hivites. And these were actually occupants of the promised land. And they represent the current situation and the future that God promises you. And affliction can come in you now. Affliction can come of what your future might be. But God wants to encourage you to keep fighting, to keep praying, to keep believing, to have patience in that affliction and believe with hope and joy that he's going to take you on a journey that's going to be completely different. God has got a promised land for you and he promises it but we've got to be patient through the things that are difficult 
And we've got to push through and believe with joy and with hope that God's going to do something new. That eventually the blisters will stop and we'll fit into where he's called us to be. And you know, and remember, when affliction comes, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. And that the most fruit will often come out of the most difficult seasons. Roses bloom the best out of muck. And we're all thinking, that's just wonderful. That's like the quotes we put on social media. But actually, sometimes I just want to get the ice cream out and I just want to feel sorry for myself. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay too sometimes. But just don't stay in that place. Don't stay with the ice cream. Eat it. Put it back in the freezer. But then pick yourself back up again. Remember that the sun doesn't come out tomorrow. The sun's out now. He came out of that grave for you and for me. And he understands when we have a pity party and we feel sorry for ourselves. Don't knock yourself back down when you do. Eat your chocolate bar. Go on your drive. Whatever it is for you. But remember... Don't stay there. Remember there's something else in front for us. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is be faithful in prayer. Becky's taught that we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting and I really want to encourage you to engage with it. Find, write down some things that you want to believe for. I'll sit with the girls later today and we'll talk about what we're praying for and what we're believing for and we'll encourage and pray for one another too. And I want to encourage you, don't just keep it to yourself. Share with somebody and ask them to pray too. Ask them to stand with you for the things that you're praying for. And sometimes we talk about being faithful in prayer and it can just seem so difficult. It can be, I just find prayer so hard anyway. Can I just remind you, prayer's just talking to God. Prayer's just saying, oh God, help me today. We don't have to have these epic prayer lives. What we do need to do is communicate with our Father in heaven. And from that place, that's where those epic prayer lives come from. And so often we'll look at other people and think, I'm never going to get there. So we don't even bother in the first place. Can he encourage you? Start with a sentence each morning. Start with a prayer for somebody you love when you're brushing your teeth. And remind yourself every day, when I brush my teeth, I'm going to pray for that person. If you don't brush your teeth, that's between you and the dentist. <laughs> Do it when you're doing something else. Everyone needs the toilet, right? But if you remind yourself, that's what I'm going to do at this certain point, then you begin to build it into your life. And so often we can say, oh, I'm too busy for this. I don't have time for this. Oh, I forget. Well, put it with something else. Put it with when you drive the car to work. Put it with when you're on the bus. And remember, just that day, just I'm going to add it in. For those of you this isn't a problem for, add a little bit more in. Say an extra prayer. It's about talking to your Father in heaven. And you know when Olivia got her blisters, please don't everyone go and ask Olivia to look at her blisters. She's just not going to be happy with me about it. But when Olivia got her blisters, and Paul, as you know, is in Rwanda, and he video called, and this was sort of the, the view that he got. Look down at my blisters! And, and all he could probably see was Olivia's foot and a bit of a blister, but she wanted to tell him about it. 
She wanted to talk to him about what was going on in her life. That's how we need to get to with God. That the first person that we want to tell, God, just look at these blisters I'm getting from this affliction. But oh, it's so good to be with you. God, thank you for, for being here. What have you been up to today? What are you thinking? And I watch my kids speak to Paul while he's away. And Olivia's just like, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And, I've done this and, and she just wants to talk and tell him everything. And God is longing, is longing for us to say, God, look at my blisters. God, I've done this today. God, this has gone on today. God, be with me today. Can I encourage you during this week, add those in. And sometimes, and when you start off, it might be a bit awkward and it might feel a bit strange. And you might think, oh, I don't really want to do this today. I just feel odd and I feel, feel difficult. And hi, God, how are you? Um, yeah, that's about all I've got. Be with me, amen. And God's like, woohoo, they're talking to me. They're spending time with me. And the awkwardness will move on. And eventually it will become a place of peace and enjoyment and hope. So can I encourage you? Keep going, keep bringing God into everything that you do. And sometimes it's so easy to not ask God and not bring God into our lives. You know, there's two, well, there's three stories of three women in the Bible, two of which, Hannah and Rebecca. And Reuben, if you want to just flash the scriptures up, the first two. And both of them want children. And it says that they go and they inquire of God. And they go and ask God, God, we, have, we can't get pregnant. God, we want children. And God answers their prayer. The third one, Rachel, if we go to Genesis 30, Reuben, please. Rachel doesn't go and inquire of God. She doesn't go and ask God. Let's look what she does. It says, when Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. Jacob had two wives, if you're not sure about that. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God, he said. He's the one who has kept you from having children. Then Rachel told him, take my maid, Bilhar, and sleep with her. She can bear children for me. And through her, I can have a family too. And we saw Hannah going to God and praying, God, if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. And this child went on to become one of the greatest prophets Israel had ever seen in Samuel. We see Rebecca and, and Isaac praying for children and God blessing them with children. And then we see Rachel having a Mickey fit because she's not getting what she wants. And Isaac, her husband, saying, you've gone about it all wrong, come to me. How often do we go and moan and complain to our friends or our husband or somebody, our work colleagues, about what is going wrong in our lives, about the affliction and the difficulties that are going on? How often do we go to them and moan and say, oh, this is going on and this is going on and I'm not happy with this and I wish it was better and like this? Instead, let's go and take those things to God. And say, God, I'm struggling with this. God, I, I'm finding this situation really hurtful. God, I'm really worried about this. God, I, I want to see change in this. 
And I want to encourage you to learn from those three women. When we take our requests first to God, when we're faithful in prayer and stick with him first, instead of offloading it all to everybody else, then God comes through and brings blessing and brings victory. But can I encourage you? If you're sitting there thinking, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Hannah and I'm not Rebecca. In the, in the minute I'm sitting here and I'm feeling like Rachel and now I feel worse because you've just said it, Sarah. Can I just show you what happens a little bit later in Genesis 30, 22? We see the kindness of God. And it says, Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. You know, if you've been, if you've been a Rachel all your life, and you have moaned and complained to everyone and shared your problems with the world. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Talk to your friends. That's what we're there for. Talk to people. Get people to pray with you. It's important. But if we want to tell the world and not take it to God, if that's been you, I want to encourage you this morning that God is a God of kindness. And God sees you. And God sees where you've been. And God sees how you feel right now. And God wants to let you know that he will bring about what you're asking for. And he will bring fruitfulness in your life. And he wants to encourage you to be faithful in prayer. Talk to your father. Talk to him about your affliction. You know, the path to victory is a path of hope. Is a path of joy is a path of perseverance, of patience, of power, of breakthrough, of authority, of blessing. This is the path to personal victory as we pray. Can I encourage you? Have joyful hope. Be patient in those times of affliction. And be faithful in praying, even if that's once a day when you brush your teeth it all lies in prayer it all lies in persevering and keeping going even when the way that we look and the way that we walk may seem odd to other people but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep believing God and I'm going to keep going through my blisters and keep believing, even though people are staring at me and my friends are laughing at me because I can't keep up with them and I can't join in everything. I'm going to keep going and keep believing and keep persevering and keep knowing that the sun isn't coming out tomorrow, but he's already out of the grave today. Victory lies in trusting God. Victory lies in holding on to him and declaring his name above our circumstances. Victory lies in persevering, even when victory seems nowhere in sight.